Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I am your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine, and my guest today is a person who, over the past few years, has become truly one of my personal heroes and somebody who has done some bold, brave, astonishing, personal human work for the industry. He is the founder of Indigo Road Hospitality and dare I say, maybe even more important than that, um, Ben's Friends, which we're going to explain what that is. And the author of the gorgeous new memoir, holding this up to the camera for people who are watching, is called Say Grace. Welcome, Steve Palmer. Hi there. Happy 2020. You're yeah. my first guest of the year. No, it's so nice. Well, this is an astonishing start to a bunch of stuff. You just got married. I did. I got married September 28th. And you are also a dad for the first time. I'm being a dad. I uh, have a lovely nine-year-old stepdaughter. She prefers that I say daughter, so nine-year-old daughter. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it's it's 2020 is really starting off really strong. And you have a brand new book baby, too. <laughs> I do. So November 19th, um, published a memoir called Say Grace, How the Restaurant Industry Saved My Life. Uh, and it's really about, it, it's twofold. It's about my journey through addiction um, and, and subsequently getting sober. But it's really, a, for me, a love letter to our industry because I feel like over the last four or five years, there's been so much negative energy the Me Too movement and all the things, very important things that mm-hmm. needed to come to light. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was the result of an intervention from two people in the business. And I really and truly believe I would be dead if they had not done that. Yeah. And so for me, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, there's a lot of issues that we have in the business. And, and, and listen, they're getting addressed. But there's a lot of loving, really caring souls. I, I think restaurant people are the best people. Um, and so I wanted to write about that. And, and I, tr- I truly, in my heart of hearts, would not be sitting here today if it weren't for other restaurant people. I was I was going to say that at the at in the throes of it, was it, is it 18 years ago? 18 years, yes. You didn't think you'd still be alive? No way. I, I was um, had to drink to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Couldn't shave in the morning because I shook so bad. Mm-hmm. I would, my liver was failing, um, and so no, there's I would be dead. What was your position in the restaurant industry? I was the general manager at the time of a restaurant called Peninsula Grill in Charleston. Um, that at that time was the the fine dining. Mm-hmm. We were still very into fine dining as a culture. Um, <laughs> that was the pinnacle in Charleston, yeah. and we were very busy. Relais Chateau property. Um, and so professionally, on the outside, right. it looked like I was doing great. Um, but yeah, I was the general manager there. And it's it's one of those, uh, they say about the swan that looks so serene <laughs> above water and paddling <laughs> like mad Completely <laughs> panicked on, yeah. So I, this is a question I'm asked all the time, and you are better suited to me to answer that. I always say it's a chicken and egg situation, but is it the Industry is it addiction? Does the does the industry cause problems with uh, with worsening people's addictions? Does it does it cause it? Does it make it worse? Do people who are naturally inclined to these behaviors have them exacerbated in the industry? What, there's a definite link there. What is it? I'm glad you asked that. Um, so I sort of reject the notion that the industry made me or anyone an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic. First off, it's a disease. It's a genetic. Mm -hmm. I have a gene in my body that you don't have. Um, And and so you're born with that. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, there's a lot of of talk about, you know, how that 
gets woken up. For yeah. me, it was the death of my father at 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, when I entered the industry in 1989, mm -hmm. um, it was a it is it was a, a playground for alcohol and drugs. That particular that crucible, uh, I would say, of of the late 80s, early 90s, even into the late 90s. Oh, very uh, much the late 90s. There, yeah, there there was that pirate ship mentality. There oh, was yeah. the 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 whole. And I, you know, regret if I had any part in the sort of media narrative around the bad boy chef. Right. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of God. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and and so so I believe that the industry has accepted this behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, do I think that they have not only accepted it, mm -hmm. celebrated it? Oh, yes. Especially in your town. Uh, yeah. Uh, Charleston <laughs> is, listen, Charleston is when it's a wonderful city, but it's a city known for its drinking. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this incredible camaraderie that already exists in a mm -hmm. restaurant, right? 18 hours a day, oh, 16 yeah. at you, 100 miles an hour, you're serving 300 guests, and you at the end of the night, you're all jacked up on adrenaline, and it's not five in the afternoon. Right. It's midnight. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so you all go out and drink together. And, and that is a wonderfully bonding time. Mm -hmm. You know, and I always say this, alcohol is not bad. It was bad for me. Yeah. Um, and, and we sell it every night. I, 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 this is not a crusade about alcohol. Yeah. Um, but our industry has done a lot to support addiction. Thankfully, I would probably say in the last five years. Yes. Maybe less, but thankfully we're starting to go, well, wait a minute, people we care about are dying. There's that. So I, you know, I started the work that I do. I'd been looking at it for a, a while. So, so, you know, I have a project called Chefs with Issues yes. and I launched it four years ago last week. Which is amazing, well, by it, the way. It, and well, congratulations. Well, thank you. It, but it was one of those things where it felt like it was really time to talk about mental health and the industry. And initially... I had a very varied response. Uh, part of it was finally we can, you know, here's just a space to talk about it anonymously or, or publicly or whatever. And the other part of it was people saying, you have no business talking about this. Why are you trying to stop the party? And I, and I, my take was, I'm not telling anybody to stop doing anything. I'm not telling anybody they have to do anything. Just saying, here is some solidarity if you need it. Other people are suffering too. It's probably somebody standing right down the line from you who's dealing with this. And and there's this cult, this really, I'd say, macho culture of just toughing it through. Right. Seeing who can party the hardest, who can like pull the most consecutive shifts, who can do all this stuff. And, it, and this masochism becomes rewarded and a bad of honor i was that person i yeah and it was a very intentional consciously stated thing that i showed up for work no matter what yeah. if i had been i and there were times that i was still up mm -hmm. there weren't and it was more than a few and i i would show up you pulled and, the clopin uh, yeah oh yeah the clopin and <laughs> it, and it very much and i and i'll tell you when i first got sober it was very lonely in the industry it was yeah. 18 years ago I didn't I literally, and I know they existed, but I didn't know anyone mm -hmm. in the business who didn't drink. I certainly didn't know anybody in recovery yeah. who was who was actively wanting to stay in the business. I, I watched a few people get sober, and they were told by the recovery community, "You need to get out of the restaurant yeah. business because it's a terrible." You know, thankfully, I found a mentor who said, "Listen." you love this and I did I mm -hmm. do um if you're willing to do the work you can stay in this industry and stay sober and had I not met that person and that mm -hmm. this person by the way had no connection to the restaurant business they just really? believed in the power of recovery enough um but it was very lonely those first couple of years I would see friends 
and and I and I don't. There was no malice, but they didn't know what to say. Right. Yeah. It was sort of like, oh, hey, uh, uh, you know. There's, well, I feel like the 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 language of recovery has been coming normalized, and the and even if people are just dabbling in sobriety for whatever reason, it happens right. to happen. It's becoming more normalized. That really is just over the course of the last few years, and it yes. was always like, oh, this person's coming. They don't drink. What do I do? What do right. I serve them? And what do we? Yeah. <laughs> And I love, and, and I always I say this all the time, the worst thing you can do to a person who's not drinking is ask them if they're okay with the fact that you are. In other yeah. words, bring a spotlight to the, because people in recovery, and this, I, this was definitely an early recovery, it was like, look, I still want to feel a part of this community. Yeah. I, I'm making a choice, which mm-hmm. I inherently believe is the best choice I could possibly make. Yes. And I don't want to feel like I'm an outsider because of it. And and even it's funny, even in sort of my dating life, mm-hmm. I, I oh, is it going to bother you if I drink? It's going to bother me if you don't drink. <laughs> like, if you don't like drink want, because of me, right? <laughs> I want you to do whatever you're yeah. going to do, and I'm going to, you know. But our industry just wasn't. I'll never forget, Kat. I went to a, an opening, and mm-hmm. you've been to many restaurant openings, and they're the big sort of parties, and they're great. Mm-hmm. But there was one in Charleston. I was six weeks sober, mm-hmm. and the best analogy is when you see a baby that's like crying and they're just not comfortable in their skin. That's what new sobriety feels like. Yeah. They don't know why they're unhappy. They just don't, <laughs> they just doesn't feel good. And I walked into this opening and literally at the whole room stopped. I, I wasn't making it up and everybody kind of turned and then they kind of, and, and again, no one was trying to be unkind. They yeah. just didn't whoa, sober in the restaurant business. What is that? Right. And, and I wonder if that is because people think, oh God, does that mean I have to, or it makes them take a a critical look at their own consumption. And that's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for a lot of people. Right. The best man in my first marriage, um, he called me and said, this has all been overblown. You are not an alcoholic. (laughs) You just need to stop doing cocaine. And you need to go home at midnight. And it really, I, I knew it was, he didn't want to look at him. It was a reflection right. of his own <laughs> behavior. If my best friend just went to rehab, what does that mean about me? Right. Right. So I, you actually, I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but you played a really significant role in, in something that I got to do. I was talking with the organizers of the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival and it, like amazing people, Dominique Love, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not sure what her role is still with it, but she really paid so much attention to the the care and well-being of the people who actually participated in at Atlanta Food and Wine uh, Festival, which I've gone to for years. It is a Bacchanal, right. it, because so much of it is is centered in this one particular hotel where there is a bar that you have to pass to get to your room to go into the elevators, and everybody is hanging out. People get just epically wasted. The mm-hmm. stories that come out of there are are just uh, absolutely nuts. And but she was realizing like, okay, you know, these these chefs are already in town. The chefs are business partners and stuff, and I want to do something with them. So she and Jeff Gordonier thought we w- want to do something for people in the industry. So they started planning. Oh, should we do something? Thing, uh, for that and then they got me involved and and I sort of said like you know what yeah I'd love to because I do this mental health work but also just something that's been on my mind because I talked to so many chefs about recovery and stuff that they feel like at these industry events there isn't kind of a safe and sober space right. to do this I remember talking with somebody who was cooking during the James Beard Awards a few years ago 
and she was cooking at a party and she was pretty newly sober and she was told, oh, you can maybe get a cup and go to the bathroom and get some water. Right. And that was pretty bad. And so, you know, I said, maybe if there's just like a chill out, a, you know, sober space or something like that. And, and they were like, oh, yeah. And they're like, well, you know, Steve Palmer is sober. And uh, but it's funny. He's always sitting there at the bar during this thing. And I thought, I think I know why he's there. Um, because he wants to be there as a beacon for people who right. need to have this sort of thing. So then I know that they reached out to you and said, what do we do about setting up this you know, sober space right. that has you know, happened, I think, every year there still. And it it's, but it's also something where some of the people who've gone, I remember the first year was not uh, a huge amount of people at it, but the people who were there, it affected them tremendously because they were able to go to something that is notorious for is consumption and feel safe. Like there was right. a place for them. And that was so huge. And it just took the quiet action of you sitting at the end of that that bar to sort of put the pieces together. Right. And I remember I remember going into the into the space and it's great, it's out on this like deck at this hotel and it's really beautiful and there's lovely music and there's non-alcoholic drinks. Yeah. And it was just it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you made several people I know feel very safe there and like they could do it and like they weren't just like they had to go back to their room or right. not participate. And that's really significant. And I've seen that movement happen more at other events. And that's such a huge thing. It is. It's, it's, uh, we, we're doing it at the Charleston Wine and Food good. now. And, and we, we have a pretty good turnout. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it, Scott Crawford and I, who is a sober friend, a chef in Raleigh. He's a magnificent yeah, guy. He and, and just, Mickey Basker. Yeah. Great people. guys. And, and he and I really talked about like, you know, we want a social component of yeah. the festival. We we want to be, but we all. But it's but it, it's scary when you're in new sobriety and yeah. you're in our industry, and you're just in these festivals are great and I love mm -hmm. them. Um, they're a lot, even if you're not uh, dealing uh, with new surprises. Yeah, they're stressful no matter what. <laughs> you know, it's like this turbocharged three day food and wine, food and wine, food and wine, yeah. and it's great. But um, we created these spaces um, in Atlanta and Charleston, mm -hmm. and I, I hope that we'll see more of it. I know I'm, I know we're seeing a lot of sort of during festival wellness events, yeah. which I think is is great, and yoga and different components. I'd like to still see the sober after party movement keep yeah. moving. I know Gabe Rucker is doing a zero He's proof. He's so great, and he, they've had those dinners with yeah. uh, with the West Coast stuff. Right, right, and they do that at the port at PDX at the at feast, yes, that's at yeah, that's at, what that's it is. It. it was like him and Andrew Zimmerman and a bunch right. of other sort Greg, of sober yeah, people. Yeah, and and so it's I'd like to see that continue, and and I just think the more we can, and again, it's it's not it's not about. Uh, I think if you talk to most sober people. It's less about look at me, pat me on the back, and mm -hmm. more we just want to feel included. Yeah, we, we don't want to <laughs> feel you know we don't want to feel on the outside. And I again I'll say it a hundred times. I think if you when you talk to most sober people, we're not judging people that are drinking. We just don't want to feel like we're not part of the cool kids club, That's right? The, you know, I mean. But I've seen also quiet shift with. I remember being at the um, Beard Awards a couple of years ago, and there was a, a Charleston chef who I don't I don't think he's sober, um, but uh, you know. Everybody has their own particular like journey, but he was uh, ducking out early so he could catch an early morning yoga class and <laughs> thinking like, wow, I've started to see more people yes. duck out early so they could go and do something fitness related in right. the morning. And I think there is this wave of chefs who are coming up in their 40s and 50s and stuff and realizing, oh, my knees are not great. <laughs> yes. And I see some of the younger cooks. I don't want them to have to 
live through what I lived through. Because I think there used to be uh, this mentality of, well, I lived through this, so you have to as well. Yes, and I feel like there's yes. been a huge tide turn toward, I lived through this, I don't want that for you. Right. I, I agree 100%. And I love, you know, you know better than any. We're, we've, for years now, we're talking about how short-staffed yeah. the industry is. We need more people that want to work in our business, not less. So yeah. we need people going to yoga classes mm-hmm. and taking care of themselves so they can have some longevity in the business. You know, I we've all seen these big, famous chefs sort of announcing they're walking away from restaurants. Yeah. They're walking away. Uh, they're staying in the food industry on some other level. And, I, and I'm always sad when I see that yeah. because I mean, we need you. Mm-hmm. But we need those people to be healthy and whole. And yeah. an example for the generation behind us that's coming up. So they go, this isn't what your life is going to be. Your life mm-hmm. isn't going to be, doesn't have to be three DUIs, rehabs, train wreck stuff that I'm, I'm one of many. Um, you don't have to go down that road if you don't want to. It's not synonymous with yeah. longevity in our business. And I feel like it's it's turned now to, it used to be like, you know, who was partying hardest at these things. Right. And now people are starting to see that and be like, I I think this person is out of control and having now a little bit more of the language to speak up about it. Mm -hmm. Because we all saw so many of these people flying out of control and it sort of became a sort of thing like, you know, who's going to talk to them? Are you drummed out of the cool kids club if you do this? Or, you know, what is this? And some of them have since then, God bless, like made recoveries and, and stuff. And some people died. I mean, yeah. frankly, a lot of people have died. Yes. And, you know, and, and that is, I, I don't want to see one more of those. And, you know, still still seeing, when I launched Chefs with Issues, a month later, um, you know, it was the shortest month of the year. It was February, and there were three um, there were three suicides like that month. Right. That, just ones that I knew about, right. which means there were a ton more. And, right. you know, and but I feel like, I, I really do feel like there's been some sort of palpable turn and there have been some very public people. You've been super public. Sean Brock has been super public. Yep. And I feel like I can actually say this out loud because he has talked about this in the press. He he talked about being in that, that sober space the first year at Atlanta and saying that was what made him able to actually participate in a festival. You know, he said that in the New York Times, so I'm not like outing him on right, this, no. but. No, and Sean is a friend. He's yeah. A good friend. And to see him, so I interviewed him a couple of times on stage recently, and I told him I didn't think he would still be alive to have yeah. that conversation. And to see him thrive is such a joy. It, it, I mean, and, and, and I said to him, his first cooking job was at the restaurant at Peninsula Oh, right. Grill. Yeah. So when I was part of the intervention, Sean was in the kitchen at that time. <laughs> um, and we, little did we know that we'd both end up sober. Um, <laughs> yeah. I said to him, you know, Sean, at the end, I was really really worried and and I saw this sort of celebration of him mm-hmm. and and you know the when you when you when you get sober sort of the veil gets removed and I I say this all the time you could put me in a room with a hundred people that are drinking mm-hmm. and I, and I'm not judging but I'm gonna know the ones that have the problem because yeah. the light has gone out in their yeah. eyes yeah and there's a sadness about the way they're conducting themselves and you know, I, I remember the Charleston Wine and Food Festival 2016, so three and a half years ago. Yeah. Three opiate 
overdoses. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I've been trying to, nobody will talk about this. A friend of mine. Nobody wants to. That, and and it's one of those things where I've mentioned it to a few people, people like, what the hell? There were three during the festival. And as I know, um, Hannah Raskin was trying to track down the story and nobody would talk to her about it. And a lot of stuff got swept under the rug. I don't know by whom, but the fact that there was a festival and there were three deaths. Yes. That weekend, because one of yeah. them, one of them, sadly had been coming to Ben's friends. We were out in the neighborhoods you're not supposed to be in, mm-hmm. physically looking for the person. Oh God! Um, one of them was a chef de cuisine at a, and I'm, I, I've heard that their family doesn't want yeah. it in the pub. And so uh, I want to respect a, all of that. A fine line um, with this, yeah. Fairly visible restaurant. We all knew this person. 32 years old. So oh, all God. three of the people that died that weekend were under 35 years old. Oh, God. And so, you know, that's the point for me at which I'm like, we, I, and I respect all families' wishes, but yeah. the, the shame of addiction keeps people quiet. The shame of addiction, the shame of suicide as yeah, well. Uh, the shame of mental health in general mm-hmm. keeps people quiet. And, and, you know, I, I didn't, I was never ashamed of my sobriety, but I certainly mm-hmm. wasn't. Until Ben Murray killed yeah. himself. Let's talk about Ben. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to sh- later show you. Someone, a chef, just sent me a picture of Ben cooking at the Beard House in 1990. Oh, wow. Yesterday, and I got pretty emotional. Ben, ben was, cat. Ben was the fun guy in the room. He was, <laughs> there's depression, suicide. I would have no more. I've known mm-hmm. that guy 25 years. Yep. He was Dean Martin in the Rat Pack. <laughs> he always had a cocktail and a joke, and and, and was very witty. Yeah. Um, you know, we the, the so the sad sad thing about Ben. So we were opening this restaurant. Ben was had come from Atlanta, so we were putting mm-hmm. him up in a hotel. There were three sober chefs in the kitchen on wow. opening night. Scott Crawford being one of them. Mm-hmm. That would have done anything in the yeah. world if Ben would have, he, he, he didn't, all he would have had to say is I'm struggling. Yeah. They would have stopped everything they're doing. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you need. And it was that moment. So when I, when I got the call that he had, he had committed, he'd shot himself in the hotel room that we were putting him up in. Um, you know, and then I called his mom and his mom said, well, he's been in and out of detox six times and we had you no, no idea. idea. And and that suffering in silence, mm-hmm. and and I think it was a it's a mixture of at that time the culture of our business like that's weak if you need help mm-hmm. keep partying keep showing up for work, and and I also think it's just probably society at large. It really is because I um, with just mental health in in general because you know I've been really open about the fact that I struggle with you know mental health issues when I am in public I, I've. And before I started really talking about this, I thought there was pressure to, no, I have to be really on and cheery and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, when I finally told people, like, I really struggle with depression and anxiety, and then I found out later ADHD and panic disorder, the people like, what, you, really? Because, you know, I can go and be on camera and be happy and cheery and all this stuff. Um, Because you put so much energy into other people's comfort. Like, because you don't want them to have to worry, put any energy into worrying about you. But also you don't want to be thought of as a freak, like you're broken, like you're any of these kind of things. So you might come across as the extra, like, uh, you know, hey, I'm okay. Call it sparkle and tap dancing because if you're doing that, no one can see what's really happening. That's right. So so you had this shock of having to uh, tell Ben's mom 
And yeah, and his 80-year-old mother. Oh, and, God. Um, How he, old was he? he? Ben was Ben was 41, 42. Okay. Um, and, you know, I... I still get emotional. Yeah, about. it's fine. This is, so <laughs> this is the I feelings tent here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, and I was at a charity event two months ago in Atlanta, unrelated, uh, City of Refuge, a, a center for battered women, women victim, not battered women, victim of sexual abuse and abuse. And uh, we were helping to raise money. And um, Ben's brother-in-law was in mm. the audience. And so the, the, the gentleman who was leading... The, the fundraiser asked me to come up on stage because I've been a homeless person. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I spoke, and afterwards, and, and, you know, Kat, I mean, he just walked up. He said, I'm Ben's brother-in-law, and we just immediately started crying. Oh. And, you know, he said to me, he said, the family is still not okay. It's been three and a half years, and they can't talk about him. They can't because nobody knew. They, the mom knew he had been in and out of yeah. detox. Um, he would get out. This is so classic. Didn't want to go to meetings. Yeah. Didn't want to. No, I'm good, Mom. I got it this time. And and I always say, like, addiction is not something to do alone. Isolation and trying to get sober and isolating because of it mm-hmm. is the absolute worst thing you should do. I mean, you know, and, and so, I mean, this is a guy I've known 25 years. I didn't even know he'd been, like, I had no idea. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think about that all the time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we started Ben's Friends um, because of that, because I really was like, we've got to have something where people know it's okay. That And that's the thing. It takes one other person to say, hey, this is going on with me. And, right. you know, I was sort of liking it to, you know, it's a, it's a summer evening and that first firefly starts going and then another one sort of starts right, responding. Right, right. And then all of a that's sudden, a well, it's I all of a sudden that. like, you know, the whole sky is lit up right. uh, with, you know, and, and it's just everybody's calling to each other and you'd been hiding in the darkness before. But it takes that first one to do that. And that's that's such a scary thing. It is. So when you say we with starting Ben's friends. Talk so about Mickey, how that came. Mickey Bass, who's a Charleston what restaurant. What a lovely man. Yeah, no, Mickey's great. Mickey's like the godfather of the <laughs> Charleston industry. I'll get a call. It's Mickey. <laughs> yeah. Call me back. <laughs> yeah. Mickey. And, and, and so Mickey has um, had a big career in his life and really is so focused on giving back, not just mm-hmm. through Ben's friends, but um, lots of ways. But Mickey's been sober 38 years. Wow. So, yeah, long, long time. Wow. Um, he got so, you know, we didn't know. He, he wasn't living in Charleston when I was going through my rehab and everything. But I, So I called Mickey. A year prior, we had had a breakfast and said we should start a meeting for the industry. Mm-hmm. And then we came back and went, we're too busy. <laughs> um I called him back and said, I, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, let's just start a meeting. Let's just do something. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of, you know, brainstorming and big plans, like, let's just put it out there. We're going to meet on this in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah Raskin was kind enough to write an article in the Charleston paper. And, uh, and so we started the first Ben's Friends in November of 2016. Um, and 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 you know, and at first it was it was great. There were five or six people. It's not about that's numbers. That's all it takes. It, if yeah. one person shows up, that's right. It's not about it's not about numbers. Yeah. But then, Kat and I, I didn't know uh, Anthony Bourdain the, yeah. the way. It, you, uh, but but when his suicide happened, yeah. like overnight, the media and I and I praise the media so much. You guys included for like, okay, we have to start talking about mm-hmm. this. And people started going, well, what's this Ben's friends? Yeah. 
And we're now, we'll be in 16 cities. The, uh, can you say which ones uh, they yeah, are? Yeah, sure, sure. Of... Let, let, let me, I don't want to misspeak on the number or okay. misspeak on the cities. So Charleston, Raleigh, Atlanta, Charlotte, Richmond, Virginia, uh, Alexandria, Virginia, um, Portland, Oregon, Austin, Texas, um, Kansas City, Louisville, uh, Columbus, Ohio, Asheville, North Carolina, Minneapolis, uh, yeah, Minneapolis, um, and I think that's it. So maybe fifty. That was 50. incredible and it, necessary. It, it, it is so awesome, and I'll tell you, and it's become so much bigger than Mickey and I, and we talk about it. It's like a movement. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you have a cause, but to me, a movement is about like a lot of yeah, people. Yeah. I mean. The first meeting uh, with Philip Spears at Commodore in Austin. He I had him on. Uh, he's he's amazing. Oh, he's 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 really incredible, and he's somebody whose story I've been watching for a long time as it unfolded. And uh, so I had him on the the podcast last year because I'd. It's always really tricky with people sort of have redemption stories and stuff right. because you know in the media it's in a weird position because we have to sort of be the arbiter of like who gets the redemption story, how do whose airwaves. You know, do you go on whose bandwidth? Because I have a lot of people come to me, and I'm some like, no, you're not using me for this right. or whatever. Yeah, right, but, right. And you... But Phil, I came to Philip because I'd been watching this happen for so long, and I'd seen him take accountability for so much of what happened. So he ended up having, I think, several DUIs and went to jail, yeah. and, it be- and it became national, a very public DUI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and he he and actually and Callie Spear, mm-hmm. his, you know, his, his, his you know yeah. his wife at the time, like you know, she came on a separate podcast actually the same day. Uh, <laughs> Cool. Which is really yeah, cool. They have a b- really great relay. They're both sober, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So, so they we both did it about that yeah. and and about their journeys to sobriety. But he was somebody who I'd seen him do the work and do the very public right. work, but helping other people as well. And so going to other cities and and doing this, you have to have first have the person who's identified themselves as being safe right. to talk to because there's this push and pull of like. You see somebody who's out of control, and you wonder, "Am I the person to talk to them about it? Right. How do I? How do I do that?" So, how do you approach? You that? know, it's um, it, and that's a hard one. I get asked yeah. that a lot. Um, it, it was, uh, it, you know, so this is what I've said, and I've said it a lot lately. Have the conversation. Yeah. Have the conversation, knowing that you may not get the outcome. They might be mad at they you. They might <laughs> be mad. They might be mad. I, I do believe if you come from a place of love mm-hmm. and care and concern, like, hey, I'm really concerned about your drinking, mm-hmm. instead of a place of judgment, yeah. you're drinking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this all the time, you might be the first person mm-hmm. that plants the seed. Yeah. And then the second person said, and so that by the third person, hopefully, right, or yeah. the second... They go, you know what? A lot of people that care about me are saying I have a problem. Maybe I need to look at it. Yeah. It's that uncomfortable space. Yeah. And especially with drinking, and I say this a lot because there are chances are you might have been drinking with this person. Oh, absolutely. But, but <laughs> you go home, yeah. right? Or you have one or two and you say goodnight. And it's there the, and that's the the crazy thing about the disease and how the social mm-hmm. aspects of drinking, because you can be again, a room full of a hundred people drinking. A hundred people don't have a drinking problem, but the ten that do mm-hmm. need need our attention, and that's hard when you might have been having the drink with them. And no, how so? How do you? I, I've I've started realizing I've I've realized I've gotten 
good at identifying sort of the people it, like maybe not at a huge party but right. like in like at a dinner table I can tell like sort of what's going on and out of solidarity without even like too much conscious thought I'll just get a seltzer and bitters or something just so there's one other person without saying right. anything and you know sometimes it, you know and I it, it, there was just a funny sort of situation with that where the person didn't tell me but I kind of knew it. and then uh, like later in the meal he sort of like came forward with that <laughs> and yeah, it was yeah. kind of an interesting thing to do but it was just like this small act of solidarity where instead of like and that can be a great gift speaking as a sober person <laughs> if you're in those and especially in new sobriety mm -hmm. it's you literally are relearning everything oh how do you getting, talk to people how do you airplane and yeah. not ordering not ordering a bloody mary yeah for me dry going on a road trip and not smoking pot yeah. um you know there, there's all these it's really like learning mm -hmm. to live Sometimes just that knowing, okay, I'm at this table, but I'm not alone, yeah, can change an entire evening for somebody. Well, I feel like the industry has changed a lot, too, without too much fanfare. There are a lot of... Uh, restaurants that have non-alcoholic options on the on the menu right. that are and the drinks are just as thoughtful. I remember going to Husk after mm -hmm. you know after uh, you know Sean's public sobriety and stuff, and there was a whole section on the menu that was right. all non-alcoholic stuff. And so for me, there are periods where I don't drink because of gut stuff, medication stuff, you know, right. where I sure. just you know can't because of like uh, you know various physical problems and stuff. So I am so grateful to have those options and not just the like standing around with the seltzer and bitters kind right. of thing. Right. But I feel like there are many, many more options yes. and it's almost become a kind of trendy It is thing. trendy and I love, I love it. <laughs> like I, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate that I get to travel a lot. Yeah. And what yeah. I love and I've been, this is like, mm -hmm. this has happened to me in the last two weeks. I was just in San Francisco. Mm. I say, hey, I'm an, I'm a non-drinking person. Um, and there's not this weird pause anymore. Yeah. There's this, oh, we, well, we have this great menu. Oh, yeah. Not, you know, and there's an excitement. <laughs> And I like I just want to like stand up and applaud the entire industry and say thank you. <laughs> not only again feeling included, yeah. And by the way, and I say this to other restaurant owners, I'll pay as a sober person, ten, eleven, twelve. Like, I'll pay for it. Yeah. If you make it interesting, so it's a revenue source. Yeah. It's good business, but I love that they're so much more thoughtful. Mm -hmm. I, I I was uh, at a restaurant where they brought course like a flight of non-alcoholic yes. drinks and so, i was blown away there was i remember i was at um jose andres restaurant a in uh in las vegas yes. and i was I, I saw that yeah oh god it's such a fantastic restaurant and this was this was a few years ago and i had to get on a plane right after it and i thought i don't want to be drunk getting on the plane so i asked like is there a non-alcoholic pairing and they got so excited because yeah. they're like no one ever asks for this but yes and i was like i will pay whatever the same thing is as the wine yeah, flight yeah, 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 these yeah. drinks were phenomenal and they were so they were really just really thoughtful and yes. so and now there are more of those uh distilled options that are like seed lip and all those seed lip, yep. um but the, it's it's funny too like i see the industry it's a big boat to turn around because i was at tales of the cocktail um it was a couple of years ago luckily tales of the cocktail has done a tremendous amount oh we're launching in new orleans that yeah that was oh one of the, that was and that city my friend <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i know <laughs> that sure needs it um yeah. but they they were doing um they, they've been really great in the past couple of years under the new leadership under caroline rose where they did a lot of wellness programming that is more and more integrated into what is happening. It's happening parallel. It's a building that, right, it's been for the past few years the New Orleans Athletic Club. I think it's going to be in the main hotel now. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's, it's always sober, but it's always stuff about wellness. And I go there and do like a closed door mental health talk. Like you've, oh, been, cool. you've been at that before. Yeah, and I've done yes, that kind I of have. Thing. I have. Um, 
and it's it's just a really thoughtful thing. But there was a great big launch party that one of the big distributors had, but it was entirely sober, and people and it was weird <laughs> and it was it was so well intentioned right. but people were kind of like drinking from flasks and stuff like that and my take is like there's got to be options for both right, like that's right you know so pe- people don't have to feel strange but people kind of didn't know what to do with themselves and they were kind of yeah. i mean it was a great stab at yeah, it right yeah <laughs> and we're learning listen we're learning we're learning how to yeah welcome everybody at the table and that and that and and that is going to take some time and the, Listen, I, I would rather us be trying and going, yeah. oh, maybe that wasn't, yeah. you know. We tried to do an event with the Giving Kitchen in Atlanta. Oh, I love those people. Oh, <laughs> they're great. They're, they're, they're so great. We tried to do an afternoon yeah. sober event, and we didn't sell any tickets. And we went, <laughs> no, okay. All right. So, yeah. you know, so it is about learning. Um, yeah. And, and I, again, I just keep saying the same thing, Kat. It's just about making people feel included. It's That's all that it really at the core. It's just like. I want that you you are my people and yeah. I love this business and I I I don't want that was one of the scariest things I was sitting in rehab advanced level psalm no idea like how am I going to I love this business yeah. I don't want to I don't want to have to leave because I'm an addict and an alcoholic um and 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 to now know that not only did I not have to leave I love the business more yeah. And that's, for me, at the crux of all of this is about everybody feeling included, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, sober, curious. I'm not Cali drinking, is sober. I'm not, I'm not drinking this week, dry January. What, what, you know, like whatever, everybody should be included. So let's talk about the steps to getting to that particular place. So, you know, in the Facebook group that, that I run for Chefs With Issues, mm-hmm. there are a lot of instances of people saying, I've realized that I have a problem. I want to try to be sober. I don't know kind of what to do with this. I don't know about 12 step. I want to be, you know, I need the, you know, I need community. I need something. I need to to figure it out. And then it's sort of helping them figure out next steps. So for the most part, I, you know, send them to you guys and, uh, which, but y'all do great stuff. (laughs) I send them, there's a really amazing Facebook group called industry and recovery. Okay. Oh God. I need to check that out. Really phenomenal. Really, really active. And it's people, and it's people being really, really honest about like a backslid last night about, and people saying like, it's okay. Everybody does. We've all been there. Relapse is a part of it. And I send them to a balance glass, which is Beck Hopkins. Um, she's in the wine industry Oh, cool! and she has really reckoned with, um, especially people who travel, uh, for, for the business about how to stay balanced while you're on the road, because she saw like, okay, we're out there like promoting this, this product that is, comes from very passionate people from the growers, the distributors, the sums, all these people. But while they were out on the road and having to deal with clients and stuff, they were just really, out of control and people weren't talking about it and especially women weren't talking about it because women get left out of this conversation a lot. Yes. Like, so when Amy Scattergood wrote her incredible piece for the LA times or uh, it was the LA times, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she was talking about the loneliness of being a woman in this particular thing. So we have these people. So what would you say that, you know, we, we've sort of come up with a protocol for this, but what would we tell people to do if they've had this realization about themselves and they feel like they can't necessarily, tell anybody at work they they feel kind of alone they're reaching out for help online what should a person like that do where they've come to this reckoning point I think that you know uh, 
and 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 sobriety now, thankfully, there's a lot of different forms. Yeah. For me, it was sort of like you go to twelve steps, mm-hmm. and they saved my life. And so I, I don't ever want to ever want to yeah. say anything, but they saved my life. I think that that being open mm-hmm. and and being willing to let people care for you, which that's is, so it's hard. hard. It's harder, and that's so it, hard in the restaurant it, industry because you're so like I am macho tough person. Right. I am, and we care for our guests mm-hmm. every single night. I don't care for me. Whoa, whoa, that doesn't feel comfortable. But you got to put your own mask on before helping yeah, others. That's right. <laughs> um, being open, being open to having conversations, mm-hmm. being willing to be vulnerable. Um, there are a lot of avenues to recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ben's friends. We we certainly don't say you have to go to twelve step meetings. Mm-hmm. We do say. One hour a week is probably not going to fix you. Right. And we're very upfront to say that we're a bridge to sobriety. So Mm -hmm. we're going to love you. We're going to help you find the other avenues that are going to, but one hour a week is not going to fix. Right. It's just not. Um, And, you know, sort of lightheartedly sober people, once you sober them up, we kind of can laugh at ourselves, which is healthy medicine. But we're always always sort of like, you didn't drink one hour a week, did you? And so, you know, (laughs) one hour a week of therapy is probably not going to, I think that people... And I say this all the time: the, the fear cat at the end of the drinking has killed more people. Mm-hmm. That that moment of uh, we call it incomprehensible demoralization. What is that? It's where you realize you can't live with alcohol and you can't live without it. Mm-hmm. And and you can live without it, but it's the the story in your head is well, what will my life be? Oh God, I'm really... what will, and, and think about our industry, like yeah. Well, what will I do? I, I won't have a social life. I won't be able to date. I won't be able to do the things. How will I live? I have a very dear friend who, you know, he's in a different place now, but a year ago he was telling me, he's like, I didn't realize how boring it would be. Right. And see, I, but, 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 so when people say that, mm-hmm. I say, do, do I look bored? Because <laughs> I don't feel bored. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, and I say this a lot. I got sober to have more of a life. Okay. Not to have less of a life. I like that. And 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 so I'm doing every single thing. Concerts, travel, food, food and wine events. I'm yeah. doing everything I did and more. Mm-hmm. Um, because for the truth is if, if drinking for me were I'm having less of a life, yeah. I would probably go drink again. Even knowing it would kill me. Yeah. Um, I don't, I never, I haven't seen sobriety as less than. I've seen sobriety as all these other doors open for me. You know, if you ask Philip or Gabe, you know, these guys are now running hundred mile runs. Right. You know, they're so it's like doing... a lot of people turned it into fitness. <laughs> yeah, fitness is a thing, but but there's you know, like I I that first year of sobriety is definitely transitional and tough in a mm-hmm. lot of like I saw a lot of movies by myself on my day job. Yeah. I'd sit in the movie theater and and um but but I, I really back to your question about what do you say to people? You've got to be willing to let people help because yeah. because the cool thing about people in recovery, they don't want anything from you except to help. Yeah. Because it helps us. It helps me to work with another alcoholic. Yeah. It's part of the cycle and right. then the positive cycle. Um, let people help because they want to. And, and you would be shocked at how many people in recovery want nothing more than to see you recover. It's, I mean, that asking for help thing or knowing, because you, right. you, you're convinced you're going to be a burden on somebody, yes. all of those things. All those things. So let's talk about people who they've, 
can't afford rehab or something right. like that. So what are the kind of alternatives to that? There are a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of state and county funded uh, rehabilitation services. There's a lot of outpatient that is a pay-as-you-go. Yeah. Um, you know, w- with our Ben's Friends chapters, when we launch in a city, we mm-hmm. really encourage the chairs of that city get connected to the mental health community. Yeah, Scott in Raleigh has gotten multiple people um, into inpatient treatment. He's had a lot of uh, um, exposure to heroin uh, and Ben's friends Raleigh. Yeah, and those when you're when somebody's physically hooked, that something that could kill them while they're withdrawing. Yeah, they need to, we need to get them into a facility at least to get through that danger period because that's a scary. So th- that's been the thing that I actually run up against with, with people who are saying, you know, need help, something like that. And uh, some people who have been through it are saying, like, okay, you need to go to NER. You need to go to you something. You need to go check yourself in. But they get really scared about that because they're afraid they're going to be hit with a giant bill or right. somehow, you know, very, very bad things will follow if right. they go down um, that particular route. And, and you know, and you know, I haven't been through this path myself. I've only, you know, known it anecdotally from other people. So I never quite know what the right thing is to say because I don't want to imperil anybody. I don't want anybody's like, financial future messed up. I don't right. want to. But the thing is, like, luckily, a lot of people who have been through it are telling them you can always find another job. You can always do whatever. Saving yourself, from staying alive is what's you're important t- right you're now. You're talking about a life and death issue. And, yeah. And when you when you're at that point, mm-hmm. um, and and listen, I wish I would have. Before I went to rehab, mm. I cold turkeyed it for like the last forty eight hours. Oh God! And it was it was sweats curled up on the in the ball on the floor, Ninja Turtles flying <laughs> out of the walls. Like and 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 I had recently had a friend in Charleston. Uh, out, this is alcohol now, not yeah. drugs. He was a stage four alcoholic, which means you're physically addicted. You mm-hmm. have to drink to stop. Um, he died. Oh, he, God. he was he was he was cold turkey. He was his third attempt, mm-hmm. uh, and he was he was. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get sober this time. And he had seizures, and he and he died. Oh God! Just from withdrawing from alcohol. So mm-hmm. it is a. It, it, there becomes a point at which like we'll find you another job. This yeah. is about whether you want to live or not. Yeah, stay um, and, 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 and as we've both said, we have friends that are dead and I, mm-hmm. but the help is there is the message and, yeah. and call me, call, I mean, go I, to, go to Ben's friends, hope.com. Um, we'll find a facility for you. It, it may not be, you know, rehab is expensive. Yeah. Like, like I went the route and the owners of my restaurant, Loaned me the money. <laughs> yeah, yes. I paid back the $30,000. Yeah. That's not always available, but there are safe places for people. There just are. And I can't name them in every city. Yeah. But I know they exist because the chairs of Ben's friends are telling me about them. Well, because you and I, the thing we're doing after we do this is we're going to the James Beard house yeah. and sitting down with other people who are doing stuff in the restaurant community and talking about how to sort of pool our resources and make a Voltron <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of this kind of stuff. Because what I'm like right now is like a nationwide map of, like you were saying, the local kind of thing. Right. So, you know, it's identifying people. I do have a network of people who, if somebody is in trouble, there's, uh, you know, there's you, there's, there's Andrew Zimmer, and there's a few other people who I know will answer the phone in the middle Absol- of the night or whatever absolutely. who I can uh, Sean who I can text and they say give this person my number and I can talk them through the night and I know that all of you have done that sort of thing talk to somebody at <sighs> yes. three in the morning and yeah, absolutely and somebody was there when I needed that yeah and that's the that's what I 
when I talk about the beauty yeah. of people in recovery, mm-hmm. it's the paying. It's like there were people that sa- saved my life. Yeah. Wouldn't be on this planet right now if they hadn't taken my call at three in the morning. So, of course, I'll take the call at three <laughs> in the morning, you know. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it. the help is there. If you want the help, the help is there. And I just... Uh, it's like just come on, just walk through the door. <laughs> walk through the door, and this life that you couldn't possibly have imagined awaits. And so you've done also some stuff uh, structurally at your restaurant group that are like separate from recovery, but trying to make it something for longevity for people. So let's talk about home ownership yeah, and all of that. Good. This is so cool because I want uh, you know people who who listen to this. A lot of them are in the industry, and they want to do better, and they want to. And they come to a point where they, like, I want to do these things for my employees. I just don't know how to start or I don't have the money for it. Let's right. talk about some of the things that you have done for the education and uh, longevity of your employees. Sure. So we, we, I just keep saying, like, we need to figure out how to have healthier whole employees. Mm-hmm. There's articles every week about wages, about short-staffed, about there's all of the complex issues that we're all mm-hmm. trying to reconcile um, we decided that we, I, I was walking through the Macintosh one day. I love that restaurant so much. Restaurant. <laughs> it's eight years old. I like, you know, watching restaurants get older and yeah. age gracefully. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very attractive to me. Yeah. Um, and a server, wa- I was walking through the restaurant and, and I heard her say, well, my mortgage is the same as the rent I'm currently paying. I just can't come up with the down payment. Mm. And I thought, well, okay, well, how much, is, how much could that be? Um, and so I went to my two investment partners and I said, I'd like to put a finite amount of money. So to those people that are, you know, don't have, we're a big restaurant group, but it was, it's not like there's this open ended and and we said, okay, we're going to put X amount of dollars in a pot. And if you've worked with us for two years or longer, um, we will give you the down payment for your home. Um, we'll make no money on it. It's interest-free for three years. Wow. But realize it's a finite amount. So your friend can't borrow that money until you pay it back, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's not open-ended. Um, once all the money is loaned out, we have to wait till the money comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and... My HR per- director was like, Steve, people are going <laughs> to default on these loans. This is a bad idea. You know, we've helped eight people now buy homes. Wow. No one has defaulted. Um, it that's, might be more than that. I don't know the exact number, but we, that's so we, cool. we've helped people buy homes. No one's defaulted on their loans. <laughs> um, and it just it created this space. And, and, and people, it, you know, I have spouses of employees, people that don't even work for the company, come up to me and say, "We own a home because of <laughs> not me, Steve Palmer, because the Indigo Road is much bigger than me, but because of the company, we now own a home." And I'm like, I mean, you talk about purpose beyond opening restaurants and making money, which we need to do, I want to do, but but there's nothing that'll fill your tank like that moment. Um, and I bet that employee never quits too. <laughs> right. I mean, suddenly we're all talking about retention, right? Because I don't think a million more people tomorrow are going to wake up and want to work in the business. I think gradually, hopefully we'll become, yeah. as we become more professional and there's more of a career. Um, and I just think we have to hold on to the people. And, and it, it's not any operator that's honest. It, it, the answer is not always, well, I'll just pay more. Because mm-hmm. the truth is we can't all, aff- I mean, Restaurant margins are pretty small, yeah. and 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 the rent isn't going down, and the food costs aren't going down. So, 
we can't always just say, well, we'll just pay people more. That kind of, to me, some it's like, well, okay, can we have a deeper conversation? Yeah. What if I can't do that? Mm-hmm. What can I do? Um, we've said, okay, if you want to go to culinary school, we'll match your, your tuition. Wow. Up to $10,000. If you want to go to restaurant management, hospitality management, we'll match your so. Those are little things that we can do, but they're they're also sort of our love language to our employees that yeah. says, "Hey, we care about you." Um, you know, we are we are a business. I had mm-hmm. to borrow millions of dollars to open this restaurant. Mm-hmm. The business has to work. Yeah. But once that business is working, then let's find out ways to make your life better. Yeah. While you're at work. And how has that affected employee retention? I, it's it's our retention is way up, so it's really cool, it, and it's just. And, and, and it's not only when, the, when, when your employees know, like, I really do care. Mm-hmm. I may not be able to change. I may not be able to double your income tomorrow mm-hmm. because economically the restaurant would close. Mm-hmm. But I do care about you, and I want you to know that, and here are the ways that I can demonstrate that to you. Um, it changes the way people feel about working in a restaurant, I believe. And it can be small. It doesn't have to be big things in our in our office uh in the accounting office we have several single women uh single mothers <laughs> not single women single mothers and they can work from home if they need to oh wow if there's that's chi- huge if there's child care issues go home be with your child mm-hmm. you know we have so and that and that costs us nothing yeah Except some compassion and care and understanding, right. and it's and, it's free to be kind. It is free. I always, <laughs> like say, I always say that. Like human it. kindness costs zero. <laughs> I say that all the time. It just yeah, and, and it's it's just a matter of taking the time to have that that mindset shift from from that masochism, right? To like what is what is that thing? And I I think people before in the industry didn't have that example of somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s, beyond still having this life in a restaurant because people were, would burn out, die, you right, know, walk right. away, and That's just right. destroyed. And there, and I think people are sort of looking in fear and saying, like, what is this next thing? Just because they haven't seen it modeled for them before. Right. But I think that is starting to happen. It, and, is, it is, and we need it to happen yeah. because those of us that are in it love it. Yeah. And so – how do we make it more, not just tenable, yeah. how do we make it more attractive and, and something that people say, wow, I could do this for the rest of my life Yeah. instead of, well, I'm kind of stuck here. Yeah, and this isn't just my stop on a way somewhere. Right, right. Oh, I, I always say that I'm doing this until I figure out what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, it's a real business. It's, um, yeah, it's not just like between my acting jobs right, and yes, whatever. Yes, there's, yes. there's that too. So what is what is the next step for Ben's friends? And what is the next step for, what is the next thing that you want for you? Okay. Um, so, you know, like we launched in Austin. Mm-hmm. 35 people showed up wow. to the first meeting. They have such a great crew. We just had Paul Finn on the podcast, yeah. and he was, I imagine he was part of it. Yeah. And he has his mental health mise-en place yeah. that he does. Yeah. It's so cool. So, so, so Columbus, Ohio, oh. 48 people showed up at the wow. first meeting. Oh, that's a lot. Wow. And we launched in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, and there was 35 people. So That's extraordinary. It's it's When I say like it's, it's now like a movement, it's mm-hmm. so much bigger. Um, and it's not all about numbers because we have other cities that there's six people that yeah, come, and that's that's, that's gr- listen. Um, what well, I I tell Mickey all the time, and he's the yin to my yang. I'm the let's go wide open. He's the whoa whoa whoa. <laughs> um, I want to be in every state. Yeah, and, and I really believe 
I believe, and I tell this to Mickey, like long after I'm gone, mm-hmm. and and listen, I love my day job. I love restaurants, yeah. and it's not that I've forgotten about that. This is something that could live on, mm-hmm. like well past anything that that I will ever do in the business sector. I want Ben's Friends to become a nationwide organization. Yeah. I, it doesn't have to be about me or Mickey or any individuals. Matter of fact, I'd, it's better if it doesn't. If mm-hmm. it isn't about individuals, um, I really want to see this grow. I, w- I want, you know, Kat, there are, um, <laughs> there are people that are celebrating three years of sobriety because they came to a Ben's Friends meeting and um you know when 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 i see that and i think about like there's nothing i'm ever gonna do that is more important than that yeah and and these are people that are like i would be dead and 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 i don't you know it's just it's mind-blowing to think about that every bad experience I went through in my life was so that I could be in this moment yeah. helping that person. And when I, when that happens, I'm like, there's nothing more important in my life yeah. than helping these people. And, and, and you see the light in their eyes and the excitement and they yeah. have hope again. And, um, Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, for, both, for folks who can't see this, I'm crying really, too. I didn't mean to. But, you know, I, I, mean, I know. It's real. It is Philip Spear would say that. Gabrielle Rucker. I mean, these people that are. I know people who you have you had know, that effect who, on. You, and these people, they're, they're, they're like, they're finding this whole other purpose helping people in our industry that is so meaningful. Yeah. And so, you know, there's nothing, I say this all the time, there's nothing I'm ever going to do in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I love my wife. I want to be a good father to my daughter. There's nothing I'm going to do that's more important mm-hmm. than the work of Ben's friends. So, you know, if anybody's listening, if you're a chef or a restaurant person and you're sober, start a chapter. It doesn't, yeah. it, we need two people and a place to meet. Yeah. That's all we need. We don't need, it's not, it's It's just literally like brew a cup of coffee and sit down and let's start talking. And I know the Chefs with Issues meetings that I've uh, done around the country too, really sometimes it's been, you know, five people. Sometimes it's been 30 some yeah, people yeah. and, and really, well, I, we haven't even had coffee. <laughs> you need a box of tissues generally. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah. Like a box of tissues and that, and, and the thing is the people who are there are the people who are supposed to be yeah. there. And there's going to be one person there mm-hmm. who this is, it's, they're going to take something from it. I, right. there was one of those meetings earlier this year and that, and that person had that, that moment and it was only about six of us and yeah. it, it was it was just the right place, right time. So and 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 you know what? When you can have that moment with one person, and we can all we all have the ability to help other people yeah. in a way. You know, we we uh, I, it's just it's uh, we all have the get that gift. Mm-hmm. It's um it's about being vulnerable and and it's just really about being who you are. Yeah. Um. But I I, I mean I just I've got so many stories of Katie. Thompson, these people, and they know that I'm talking about them. Um, I have their permission. Um, you know, they, they came in and they're just dark circles and yeah. beaten down, and now they're like <laughs> full of life and full of optimism and yeah. hope, and they've stayed in the business. Yeah. Which is the goal. Yeah. Um, 
it's really a privilege to be able to give back. I'm sure you feel that way too. It is. And I, but I also realize, and I want to ask you about this. Um, I sometimes have to fill up my own tank when I'm doing yes. this because I get so depleted and I get so focused on that particular thing that I forget to take care of myself. I've gotten way better about it in the past year because I got to a point, it was that, that summer that Anthony Bourdain took his own life and stuff. And I was going around and I was talking to people. I was actually in Charleston a couple days after that and ended up talking with people about right. it and stuff. And then I, but then I was on the road for eight weeks and in a different city um, every week for eight weeks. And I got to a really low and dark point and I realized I had to go on medication and I really had to take my mental health like seriously because I had been off medication for like 11 years and I you know got a new diagnosis which and was able to medicate sort of for that. Um, and then in the past year, I've started a few other things, including meditation, which yes. I did this morning, yes. which I did last night. And I just use Headspace, the, the app, because I always thought- I use oh, Calm. I have that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's amazing. Yeah, because and and I realized like this app based stuff works really well for me, and Mm -hmm. and I know and I know also for a lot of sober people that there are um, like apps that help you track your sobriety. Because we were both in. Aspen when Andrew Zimmerman hit his ten thousandth day sober I and stuff. And I have I downloaded the app because of Andrew. <laughs> so it's great. He's yeah. been great. So how do you fill your own tank? So that is that I definitely struggle with that. It's um, hard. It is. <laughs> There's the codependency that goes along often with mental health sure. and sobriety. So yeah. oh, I'm a screaming codependent. Um, <laughs> so my sober mentor has has sort of challenged. It's funny because I'm like sort of start not starting over with mm-hmm. my sober date, but like we're starting a whole new where I have to like text him every day now. Yeah, that like, accountability is yeah, huge. It's huge, and and so we're we're gonna go through the twelve steps again and start mm-hmm. over. Um, I'm praying every day, like renewing your vows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm praying, pray, well, prayer meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading. Um, I have a daily reflections mm-hmm. as an app, and so it's a spiritual based, not religious, uh, but just a thought for the day. So mm-hmm. I'm reading that every day. Mm-hmm. I'm meditating every day. Uh, I'm committed and I haven't gotten there yet because uh, I'm on the road a lot too. I need, I'm going to go to more meetings, mm-hmm. um, whatever that looks like. And so, yeah. And then I think a personal development stuff, like mm-hmm. whether it's a three day weekend, whether it's whatever that is, and it yeah. can be how to be a better chef, how to be, it doesn't always have to be mental, you know, but I, I think doing those little things, mm-hmm. Uh, something as simple as the welcome conference that we all go to and love. It's beautiful. Like that's filling my tank for me when I can Mm -hmm. sit and listen to other people in our industry. Yeah. Inspire me. Um, and I, I make a real conscious effort to be at those events and go to those things. Mm -hmm. Cause even if it's just a day, it's a day where I can get filled up and it's so necessary leading. And I say this a lot. Leading is an act of giving Mm -hmm. if you're doing it right. If you're running a restaurant, whether you're in the kitchen or in the dining room, and you're leading, mm-hmm. and I think leading and managing are two different, to- yeah. totally do- Managing is a very defensive position, and leading is a very positive one. Um, you're giving all day long. Yeah. You have to do things to fill your tank. Yeah, and you need people outside the industry yes. <laughs> in your yeah. life <laughs> yes. and have that kind of balance. Dogs are great, too. I have it. Bella just turned one year old. Oh, what kind of dog is Bella? She is an English cream golden retriever. just means she's a white golden retriever. Oh, my God. Bella is, like, the best thing ever. Oh, my gosh. When we wrap this, I'm going to need to see pictures. I have Penelope and Ogdred. <laughs> I know you have Ogdred. I didn't know about Penelope. Oh, Penelope. Oh, she's delicious. And she's she's this ridiculous creature. She's like a wiener dog body, but these these 
these legs. She has like a head like a lab, this long but bigger body, and these short, tiny little stumpy legs. And she has the warmest tummy in the world. And <laughs> and I can't be stressed if I'm just sitting there searching right. her tummy. And it's Bella just... is like there, there is a there a wealth a, a wellspring of love in that dog that I just <laughs> she loves me. I'm like, why? How do? You, how is it possible for you to love me anymore? And it doesn't take anything from her. She's just like, I get belly rubs. <laughs> I know she's the best. Yeah, I'm a big believer in dogs. Oh my gosh. So what is then? You're doing all this these things for other people. What is the selfish thing that you want for you? And this is also putting it out in the world, speaking it out into the universe. So somebody hearing this can think, I can help Steve get that. Um, I don't know. I, I feel yeah. like I have. I, you know, <laughs> I, I want to. I do want to spend more time, and it could be a, a getaway. Um, I, I want to spend more time just in the quiet. And mm-hmm. so that could be a mountain, a cabin. It doesn't have to be anything mm-hmm. luxurious. It could be a cabin with the noise off. Um, I want to do that selfishly. I also like public speaking. This is like yeah. kind of a completely other end of it. It gets that adrenaline. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I like, I mean, I want to keep talking about Ben's friends. So yeah. um, selfishly, I would just like more platforms. Yeah. Um, because that feels good. Um, but I, but definitely this year, resolutions, and we, mm-hmm. you can we all have either people are into resolutions or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just my physical health, because mm-hmm. I am on the road a lot. It's I'm hard. eating in restaurants a lot. It's hard. I've gained some weight in the last year that I'm not thrilled about. So I just want to make sure I'm making more time to be healthy and whole myself. Yeah. So anybody who can help Steve with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean... Here for it, yeah, and uh, you know, and and you've chronicled so much of this so beautifully in in your book. And, Thank you. And now I I have some questions that I ask everybody. Okay. Uh, have you ever cried in the walk-in? Yes. Okay, talk about it. <laughs> um, the owner of a particular restaurant. Um, it was Friday night in Charleston. I'm not going to say who. Uh, <laughs> Fifteen minutes before we opened, it was Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. which is also the Spoleto Performing Arts Festival. Oh, that's a big one, so yeah. So it's a big weekend in Charleston. And he pulled me in the walk-in and said, you need to get off your dead ass and start working. And I was two years – I was – I was no, I wasn't two – I was fairly new into sobriety, and um, it really kind of broke me. Yeah. And I was – it was a restaurant that I had poured my heart and soul into – and so I went in the walk-in and just started, and, and I gave my notice the next yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, I, good. Okay. Ironically, I, I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not passionate about this restaurant anymore. So I left. So yes, I've cried in the walk-in. Oh, good. Uh, what is the hardest job in a restaurant? Dishwasher. Okay. Tell me why. <laughs> um, you know, it's the thing, it's the thankless job. Uh, you're cleaning up everybody's mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, it can feel, I'm sure in a lot of restaurants like hopeless, Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't become prep cook, become line cook, become, um, it's just a thankless job. It's a low paying job. Mm-hmm. Uh, retention rates are not great. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes. <laughs> probably the worst. If you got a statistic on it, probably the worst position in the restaurant, but yeah, dishwasher. Yeah. That's, it's funny when I ask that question, that or host tends yeah, to come up yeah, a lot. Yeah. One or the other. <laughs> that, that is a really rough one. What's your comfort food? Ice cream. Salted caramel. Do you, good and Lord. Is it a, a particular one? <laughs> you know, Jenny's is pretty oh, good. Jenny's, Jenny's is, so is good. pretty good. Yeah, I would say Jenny's salty caramel is pretty much 
I'm happy when I'm when I'm uh, got a pint. Are you straight for, straight from the pint? Straight from the pint. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> Never be ashamed. <laughs> I am not ashamed. So, what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? What is the last meal that I had that made me emotional? Let's see. I was just in San Francisco. Um, maybe State Bird Provisions. Uh, Stuart came. That we were there uh, a week ago. Um, or, and this is going to sound crazy because it's one spectrum to the next. So the night before we ate at Aquarello, Mm -hmm. which is a 30 year old restaurant in San Francisco, two star Michelin, which I'm not typically that, that style (laughs) of dining. Um, the food was beautiful Mm. and, and it was amazing. And the servers were passionate his Italian accent helped um <laughs> my wife especially loved the Italian accent um don't you love saying my wife uh, yeah yeah I do love saying my wife it's so I never thought <laughs> it's, it, it's been really fun <laughs> watching you on Instagram be a newly married guy <laughs> I am such that guy I love my wife I so much so wonderful. she's so good um yeah so those two totally in, ends of the spectrum but both of them the joy mm. in which both staffs at State Bird and Aquarello, <laughs> Aquarello, yeah. Um, the joy at, with both staffs, lo- you just they just love their job. And you know, State Bird is like eight or nine years old, wow. and you still can't get in the place. <laughs> and I said to our server, I said, everybody seems so engaged here. Mm-hmm. And they all said, oh, yeah, we've all been here for four or five years, and we all wow. love working here. So when you go to a restaurant, yeah, you where can the, feel the, it. You can, where the staff is invested. Yeah. And that is not about compensation. Mm-hmm. That's not about the cool concept. That's about the people that are running. I, I firmly believe that when you're in a restaurant like that, it's the the team. I will say I've felt that in Macintosh on well, multiple you. occasions. Thank and you. my husband loves Macintosh because I was saying, oh, I'm going to see Palmer. <laughs> and like, uh, come in and he, he's like, uh, he's like, which restaurant is Macintosh? And he's like, I know I love that one. Remind me. And I didn't. And I was like, the bone marrow sandwich. The, the, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's. It's really good. It's really good. Um, and I love how it smells, too, the whole mm-hmm. restaurant. It just smells really good. What is the last meal that somebody cooked for you in their home? I don't get the opportunity to eat in people's homes. This yeah, I is bet, why I, I asked the question, because nobody asks restaurant people because they're nervous about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody, well, God, I would be nervous cooking for you. I'm like, make me a good hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't, I can't holidays? even remember. I, I, no one cooked for you at the holidays? No. Oh, Steve. <laughs> okay, dear everyone well, in Charleston. Well, well, no, no, wait. Let me back up because my my um, my mother-in-law, yeah. my new mother-in-law, she is a Southern. Linda Gardner is. is <laughs> so there was there's you know black black pepper gravy and biscuits for breakfast. Oh hell yeah! There's, yeah, there's all the things. So yes, it wasn't like a we were sitting down. No, meal, that's it counts. This yeah, absolutely counts. Yeah, my my mother-in-law is pretty amazing. Uh, tell me, but what kind of biscuits are they? Um, they're just homemade butter, you know, a lot of butter. But like, lot. are they like kind of fluffy? Are they crunchy? Yes, are they? They're, they're fluffy and crunchy, which is the one oh, I like. Damn, I want a biscuit right now. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. Oh my gosh, what living musician would you want to cook for, and uh, what would you cook for them? Oh wow! Because I so, know a lot of people come through Charleston. Yeah, wow. So I was a roadie in the music business what? in the late eighties okay. for for a minute. Uh, like hair as long as yours. Did you? Uh, so I was. Uh, so I was. I mean, I was working in the music scene in Atlanta in the late eighties, and bands were getting signed. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I worked for you know did like when I say work for, pulled cables, ran speakers, yeah. you know, like did the grunt work. 
um, you know, in that era, it was Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> it was the George Michael Faith Tour. Oh, I worked on amazing. Prince, the Love Sexy Tour in 88. Wow. Atlanta, and you know, that was like when the Black Crows got yeah. signed in Atlanta. It's when the Athens music scene, when the B-52s and R.E.M. I mean, there was this, yeah. the 80s were an interesting time in Georgia. Uh, in <laughs> so I just started working like security yeah. at local places. And then that kind of stepped up to working for bands. And... So who would you, who's still oh, around, would you want to? Sorry. Yeah. Um, who, who you know, you we know? all, like our generation, it's like Bono. I want to cook yeah. for Bono. <laughs> um, probably Bono. <laughs> and what would you, is he, is he vegan? It seems, I don't know. He seems like he would be, right? Uh, yeah. And I would want to talk to him more just like socially about mm -hmm. our world and what his view was. What would you um, cook for him? Um, what would I, I, the bone marrow bread pudding would it's be very, so, probably it's, that or, or one of, one of our sushi concepts. You oh know? my gosh. I love Japanese food. I have to say this bone marrow <laughs> thing. It tastes like God's grilled right. cheese. It, it is God's grilled cheese. That's a good, I'm, I'm I think our server said that. <laughs> I love that. It is, it is this incredible, savory, beautiful, heavy, yeah. dense that you want to, it's a, you need a nap after You do it, need a nap. It's, to yeah, share it with yeah, people. It's, it's, it's dense. And can I also say at Macintosh, I would, I've been a solo diner there on a, a couple of occasions and had it was, I was treated so well it was just awesome. it was just a really lovely thing so final question you have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care what do you do meditate okay and what does that look what does meditation look like for you so I need a guided Me like too. That, that's why I, I mm -hmm. need somebody if I just sit there I'll just start thinking about work again. Same. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I have the Calm app on my phone, mm -hmm. and I'll just put my earbuds in, and mm -hmm. and I just sit there, and and so there's and what's great about these apps is so you, there's different kinds of so there's one I'm doing right now is so the seven days of gratitude, mm -hmm. and so you know day two, and it kind of builds, and and you can so yeah, I would do just a real quick guided meditation. I think that's so wonderful. Yeah. And so if people want to find you, they can find you at, is it bensfriendshope.com? Bensfriendshope.com or theindigoroad.com. Okay. And people can just reach out to you and Absolutely. find something that is happening in uh, in their city or get yes. something started or whatever. We will answer your email within 24 hours. Um, we, we've got three people that are monitoring the Ben's Friends emails, yeah. so, so they get answered very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and we would love to hear from people. Yeah, and I just also want to say that if people need immediate help, if they're yes. like in immediate danger, um, there's crisis text line. You text seven four one seven four one, and someone will get on and start texting uh, with you within minutes, and it and get you to help whatever you need um, in your area, like if it's an emergency situation. So, That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's they. I can't give them enough shout outs. They're they're such great people. <laughs> I'm glad you. I would I reminded me of that. That's great. And so, if people want to come to your restaurants, where can they go? They they got, well, we're in the southeast. We're, we're a big restaurant group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go to theindigoroad.com. We're in Charlotte, Raleigh, Nashville, Atlanta, Charleston. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. When you sober up an alcoholic, people are always like, how do you do what you do? I'm like, well, when you stop drinking and you get up at six in the morning, you got all the kinds of energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So resolution for the year, whether you're into resolutions or not, go and check out Ben's Friends. Get Say Grace. Thank it you. is a truly beautiful book that I really think is going to become an industry Bible and, and save lives. If you, for some reason, aren't struggling with those particular things, give it to a friend of yeah. yours. Just quietly pass it around by multiple copies. And A give lot of people. people are doing that. Yeah, because it's a, it's, it's a really, it's a beautiful, accepting uh, memoir and manifesto for 
for how you can have a, a better life. It might look so bleak at the moment, and there is hope, and there is help for you. So get Say Grace. Thank you. And, and uh, find Steve on all the different social platforms mm-hmm. and stuff. So thank you so much to our guest today, Steve Palmer. Thank you for being Thank here. you to all of our producers. Margot Gotthelf. Did I say that right? Gotthelf, yay. Welcome to the team. Hallie Tarpley, Jen Martinick, to our incredible camera crew and sound crew. Thank you so much. If you like what you heard, um, this is part of Food & Wine Pro, which is a um, really exciting part of Food & Wine, where we're really geared toward conversations about the industry that really need to happen and giving people a platform to be able to have some tough conversations, to talk about some of the day-to-day life things that happen um, in when you're opening a restaurant, when you're keeping a restaurant going, when you're wondering, how do I keep my restaurant? Oh, yes. <laughs> all uh, of this stuff. So We've all been there. Oh, yeah. We have a great uh, weekly newsletter that um, Hunter Lewis, our editor-in-chief, writes. I pinch hit sometimes and is chock full of stuff that's going on in the business this week and, and um, you know, just stuff that's going on in the industry. And we have always a great little mantra from our uh, uh, woman who works in the test kitchen, uh, Kelsey Youngman. She's really incredible. She's our associate food editor and a meditation coach. And we so we always oh, have a wow. meditation from her in the nice. newsletter. And it's a really beautiful thing. So if you come to foodandwine.com and you go to the pro section, all of that is there for you. Um, if you want to follow Communal Table, it is available on all your streaming platforms and also on YouTube. We're pretty easy to find. Look for Communal Table. All the episodes are always on foodandwine.com and follow along with that. If you like what you heard, you know, those ratings, those stars, those comments really help people find us. And that's how we get up in the algorithm. And that's how we get to keep doing the show that we really love to do. And if you think there's something you want to talk about or you want to suggest a guest, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Kitten with a Whip or, you know, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on whatever the social platform. And I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening and take good care of yourself until the next time.